Good evening, Patriots. And it is Wednesday, August 17th in the year 2022. And this IRS thing just keeps heating up. If you're not paying attention to it, please do. It's ugly. And they're now trying to recruit kids. And so that's another reason to try to protect your wealth as much as possible because these grubby Nazis want it. Inflation is real. The CPI is at another 40-year high, hitting 9.2%, and real inflation on daily goods, bread, milk, meat, gas for your car, even rents, are at over 30%. The recession is real. If all your money is in the market or tied up in U.S. dollars, you're messing with fire. It's critical for you to take a hard look at diversifying your savings into gold and silver. That's where the professionals at Birch Gold come in. Text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 and get a free information kit on how to diversify and protect your savings with precious metals. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, gold is the right investment to make now. Text BARDS to 989898 and get real help from Birch Gold today. Again, text BARDS to 989898 to claim your free, no-obligation information kit on how to protect your hard-earned savings with gold. And that's text BARDS to 989898 and get your free information kit, and you will not be disappointed. Good folks over there at Birch Gold. So before we dig in, we're going to do some more Isaiah, but I want to just go over a couple of headlines, one which is quite disturbing. There's an IRS program, recruitment program for high school and college students called the Adrian Project or Adrian Project. On Tuesday, Joe Biden signed an Inflation and Reduction Act, a $750 billion health care tax and climate package into law at the White House. With this law, the American people won and the special interests lost, Biden said during his signing. As the hand puppet says, what BlackRock wants you to speak. For a while, people doubted whether any of that was going to happen, but we are in a season of substance, he says. I don't have any idea what he's saying. The bill would allocate $369 million for green energy and $750 million, billion dollars, excuse me, for health care. The IRS would receive $80 billion. The funding would mark a 600% increase for 2021 from the Bureau that received $12.6 billion. If you don't think that they are trying to turn America into a fascist state, you're wrong. This Project Adrian has children, high school kids, wearing IRS CID police vests and pointing mock guns at each other. Yeah, that's what we're up to here. So this is a problem. It's going to continue to be a problem. The bill would also add 87,000 new IRS employees to harass and abuse working Americans and their political opponents. I'm just going to say it. If I could get into a place of like the presidency or if I was a governor, I swear anybody that worked for the IRS would get a warrant put out for their arrest and you'd face charges of treason. And I'll tell you, that's the only way patriots are going to win this thing. 
So here's another. For, for years, the IRS has been running a recruitment program called the Adrian Project, during which high school and college students are given tactical vests and fake firearms and instructed to make mock arrests of individuals wanted for tax-related offenses, as reported by American Military News. This is called brainwashing, is what that is. During the Bush administration, Adrian College co-sponsored the first-ever seminar conducted by the IRS Criminal Investigation Division, CID. That's what that is. So, yeah, and so you're going to probably start hearing patriots say, oh, don't worry, don't worry. That's just a cover or operation so they can slip the military people who didn't take the vax into those places and give them jobs and so they can work to save America. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's like, that's like taking a viper and putting it in your bed and saying, he's not going to bite. I actually did have, in one instance, when I was living down in Georgia, I was getting ready to go to bed one night and I pulled my pillow back and there was a brown recluse under my pillow. Let me tell you, that has a way of kind of freaking you out. And this sucker just sat there and kind of pulsed his legs and looked at me like, hmm, hmm, you ready to be bitten? I'm like, not a chance. I'll tell you. IRS, and this is a perfect comment, IRS is armed Antifa. I just saw that on the chat. That's perfect. Yes, they are. Okay. So we have been doing Isaiah. We started Isaiah yesterday. started with a nice introduction to Isaiah. We did some reading in Isaiah 1, 2, 3, uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3. Tonight... I'm going to do something a little different. I am going to read from the Founder's Bible, the first section in Isaiah that was in, put inserted. It's actually you have Isaiah book one or the Isaiah chapter one. And then right there is the in the Founder's Bible is the first entry, which is called the remedy for restoration, righteous judges. So I want to read this. And this is a good context, I think, for Isaiah. And it's, it's actually rather involved. So we'll see how far we get. As And this is on page 1021 in the Founder's Bible, just so you know. As the righteous judge of all the earth, God has much to say about judges and the judiciary, and these are not trivial matters. So I just want to re- reference first one, two, and three. We talked a lot about chapters one, two, and three talked about the leadership and judges and the people walking away. That was important to remember. And Isaiah is obviously the prophet Isaiah is seeing this this future redemption. Well, he's this future judgment on earth, but at the same time, he sees a an opportunist or a time where things will get better. And it's a long book involved in this way. So. We'll continue here. So he declares, Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son that he not become angry and you perish in the ways for his wrath may soon be kindled. That's Psalm 2, 10 to 12. Now remember, this is, a, this is an insert one thing about the Founders Bible, if you've not, if you don't have one, which if you do want to get one, scroll underneath the uh, podcast and there's a discount code. You, uh, I'm gonna, you're gonna guess what it is. Yep, it's Bards. So if you get a Founders, if you want to buy a Founders Bible, you can use the Bards code to get a discount. I love this Bible because 
all throughout the Bible are, are founding references to our founding fathers and, and other important discussions that add depth, tremendous depth for the relevancy of our nation and the relevancy of the chapters. So continuing here, similarly, he instructs judges, consider what you are doing for you do not judge for mean, for, excuse me, for man, but for the Lord who is with you when you render judgment. Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be very careful what you do. 2 Chronicles 19, 6-7. And it's also, therefore, reinforcing the idea that judge being a judge is a, a reference to also judging within God's law, not just judging because the Clintons bought you off, paid you, or because someone framed you for pedophilia. In Isaiah chapter 1, as Israel is in a period of rebellion and decline, one of the remedies for restoration that God gives to Isaiah is to call for a change in the judges, that if, that if they would return to the type of judges they had in their earlier years, then Jerusalem, their national capital, would again become the center of right of righteousness, excuse me, as God explained. I will restore your judges as at the first and your counselors, which is actually attorneys, as at the beginning. After that, you will be called the city of righteousness, a faithful city. That's Isaiah one twenty six. The clear principle to note to the righteousness of a land is directly affected by its judges, and the revealed promises is that Zion will be redeemed when it returned to justice. Looking at the present state of the decline in our own nation, we would do well to understand the wisdom of God's proposition to his invites. Isaiah, to approach the heavenly bench, come now and let us reason together that your sins are as scarlet, that you that will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you, con- if you consent and obey, you will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. That's 18 to 22. Our founding fathers understand the potential power of judges and the great and lasting consequences that could occur through an improper use of a judicial power. In fact, the 27 grievances in the Declaration of Independence listing by the Americans separated from Great Britain for address the abuse of British judicial power, taxation without representation was mentioned only once. To learn more about the misuse of judges and courts, see the commentary accompanying Proverbs 18 and Deuteronomy 19. That's in this book. Knowing the potential power of the judges to do damage with prudent foresight, the Founding Fathers placed numerous restraints upon the judiciary within the Constitution, resulting in four fundamental judicial principles meant to, to guide and protect us from their abuse of power. Unfortunately, the most, with most citizens being 
completely unaware of the constitutional restraints, it would seem that protective moorings have been cast off, allowing American judiciary to drift well off course from the original design. As such, Americans, America clearly demonstrates the truth of Isaiah 126, that the righteous of the land is of a land is directly affected by its judges for it has been judges and not legislatures who have imposed on America, the great majority of its unrighteous policies. It's a really important principle right there. And that's in that concept of where the true power of change has been happening. So we continue for example, abortion on demand was a was not instituted by legislatures, but rather by judges who declared that it to be a national policy. In fact, the Supreme Court had its had to strike it down had to strike down anti-abortion laws in forty six states to achieve its will. Similarly, the movement from same sex marriage was initiated by judicial decisions demanding that state legislatures set aside four centuries of an American laws defending marriage as the union of a man and a woman. Likewise, prohibitions on prayer before school, athletic events, and graduation, and exclusions from the Ten Commandments and other religious acknowledgments in classrooms are not the result of legislatures but of judges. This truly affects what God said this, excuse me. This truly affirms what God said in Isaiah one twenty six: the righteous of a land is the righteousness of a land is directly affected by its judges. If we are going to find ourselves our way back, we need to lay hold of God's remedy for restoring restoration and seek to return to the land of judges we at we had at first. The founders established four constitutional prospects for American precepts for Americans Americans must regain if we are to see unrighteousness imposed on America through or on uh, the judiciary reversed and the judiciary reversed as we approach the bench come let us reason together so here's some constitutional principles which I think are important to get hold of constitutional principle number one the three branches are not co-equal Once the Constitution was finished, the federal papers were written to explain its classes and concepts, according to the Founding Fathers, James Madison. The Federalist may fairly fairly enough be regarded as the most authentic exposition of the heart of the Federalist Constitution as understood by the body which prepared and the authority which accompanied it. The Federalist Papers, in establishing the relative weight assigned to each branch, declare the legislative authority necessarily predominate, predominates and that the judiciary is beyond comparison the weakest of the three departments of power. In fact, the Constitution made the judiciary so weak that general liberty of the people can never be endangered from the quarter, from that quarter because of the judiciary has no influence other over either the, the sword or the purse, no direction either of the strength or the wealth of society and can take no active resolution whatever, whatsoever, it may only be said to have neither force nor will. 
The Constitution makes the legislative branch the most powerful one and the judiciary branch beyond comparison the weakest one. Clearly, the Founding Fathers did not make three branches co-equal. In fact, the word co-equal appears nowhere in the Constitution. Well, obviously, that's not the way it is today because the judiciary took away prayer in school. The judiciary affirmed abortion. The judiciary affirmed same-sex marriage. All of these things have been the politicization, politi- politicalization of the judge at the bench. And this is what, in fairness, this is what President Trump has been talking about for a long time. The judges are hand puppets of a political agenda, and that's exactly what we've been seeing. Constitutional principle number two, the judiciary is not independent. I need to reaffirm this, that this is all coming from Isaiah. And I think this is what's so powerful, is that as we go through the Founders Bible, and if, and if you, I really recommend you go through the Founders Bible, but the Founders Bible is linking how our founding by our founders was very scripturally embedded and that there was a deep relationship in understanding scripture and Christ and how they built this land and what they expected for it to, for how it to work. So constitutional principle number two, the judiciary is not independent. Judges often assert the so-called independence of judiciary, but this is not a constitutional principle. As constitutional signer John Dickinson affirmed, what innumerable acts of injustice may be committed and how fatally may the principles of liberty be sapped by a succession of judges utterly independent of the people. Sounds like what we have right now. If any branch was to be independent, it certainly was not to be the judiciary as Thomas Jefferson reminded us, reminded one judge. It should be remembered as an axiom of eternal trash or truth. <laughs> Sorry about that, truth. In uh, politics, I actually, I'm reading out of the Founders Bible, and I'm telling you it's not easy to do this in podcasting, but I'm, it's working, I think. Now, what, whatever the power of any government or independent is independent is absolute also. Independence can be trusted nowhere but with the people in mass. The founders designed American government so that none of their three branches would be independent from the people. In fact, only, in fact, the only uh, constitution in the world in use today that is older than the U.S. Constitution is the Massachusetts Constitution written by notables such as Samuel Adams, John Hancock, John Adams, Robert Treat, Payne, and other signers of the Declaration. The Constitution announces all power residing originally in the people, having derived from them the several magistrates and officers of government vested with authority, whether legislative, executive, or judicial, are their substitutes and agents and are at all times accountable to them. Wow, that was a novel, novel idea that we seem to have lost completely with where we are today. And I think this is something that's, this is really pretty crazy. When you consider, when you go through the documents, I mean, it's very clear how far off we've gone, but they have, don't teach the Constitution in school. They teach that it's a living document. 
and that it must be changed and it's racist. This is why they do this, because they know that if you really get into understanding the Constitution, you're going to understand how deeply embedded it is and tied it is to faith, to Christian faith. There's no Judeo part of this, by the way. This is Christian faith. And this is our founding fathers, most of them recognized Jesus. What they pushed back against and what you get in your garbage teachings in school is that many of them hated Christianity. That is not true. They, they pushed back against the church, especially the churches in Europe that were being run by people like former Romans in the Roman Catholic Church, etc., that used the church as a front to create war and to run money at laundering and banking. This was their objection, and this is where a lot of the objections came from, but they're, they were very deep in faith. So, continuing, constitutional principle number three, judges do not have lifetime appointments. That's interesting. Americans are regularly told that judges have lifetime appointments, but the U.S. Constitution disagrees. In fact, much of the original American opposition to British judicial abuse was directed at two fundamental flaws of the British system. One, its judges were independent of the people, and two, its judges had lifetime appointments. The Americans, therefore, ensured that when they created their own judiciary, judiciary, that these two causes of judicial corruption would be precluded. The Constitution, therefore, explicitly declares... The judges, both of the Supreme and inferior courts, shall hold their offices during good behavior. (laughs) I have news. I have news. They're not being good. Their behavior is now bad. Especially if you're one of those, like, (laughs) Sotomayor. You need to go terminate your contract today. Notice there is no mention of the in this clause or any other in the constitution of lifetime appointments. Judges are only told they can hold their offices during good behavior. This, that as long as a judge behaves himself and remembers his limited role, he can continue to serve. But if they forget, they can be removed, which the founding fathers did on several occasions. I bet you did learn that in high school. How did they remove judges that violated the standard of good behavior? As John Ewing Colhoun, Calhoun, excuse me, the U.S. Senator under President Thomas Jefferson explained, we all fully and at once understood what is good behavior in a judge. If he acts contrary, it would be misbehavior in the Constitution in, and the Constitution in that case, was given a remedy for impeachment. Today, we have wrongly been told, and usually by judges, that judiciary judicial impeachment can be undertaken only in the moment of extreme circumstances, such as if a judge commits rape or murder. But the Founding Fathers made the threshold for impeachment very low and believed it to be a necessary tool to control judges because they knew how bad they could get. So strongly did they, did they believe that, that they placed six separate clauses in the Constitution, either directly or indirectly addressing impeachment. No other subject in the Constitution receives such attention. 
Historic causes of the impeachment of federal judges have included such things as issuing an order that contradicted an act of Congress, judicial high-handedness, drunkenness, blasphemy. Well, I like that one. They'd all be gone on that. Excluding evidence from a trial, profanity. Oh, man. You can't get mad at him with any emotion then. These, uh, these offenses certainly are not crimes, but they definitely are breaches of good behavior and thus were sufficient cause for removal of a judge. Founding Father Justice James Erdell, placed on the U.S. Supreme Court by President George Washington, strongly avowed that the, sure of, of a, the use of impeachment was necessary to ensure good government. And he writes, every government requires it, that's impeachment is what he's referring to, every man ought to be amenable for his conduct. It will be only the means of punishing, it will be, it will not, excuse me, start again, it will be not only the means of punishing misconduct, but it will prevent misconduct. A man in public office who knows that there is no tribunal to punish him may be ready to deviate from the, his duty or her, Nancy Pelosi. But if he knows there is a tribunal for their purpose, although he may be a, be a man of no principle, the very tear of punishment will perhaps deter him. Yeah, I would say so. The Constitution does not give judges lifetime appointments, but it does give means by which judges do not, uh, who do not observe the constitutional standard of good behavior can be removed. That's something. How deceived we are. Constitutional principle number four. Judges do not have the final word about the constitutionality of a law. <laughs> Now, isn't that something? Yeah, I bet you didn't know that either. Is this like crazy world? I mean, this, I'm, you're going to be like, Bards, this isn't the Constitution. You're reading something completely different. Did you, did you get this from like an alien show? It's like, no, it's our Constitution. We're living in the alien show. Like we went into like worlds and beyond or altered universe or whatever. I swear. That's where we are today because everything this is, is talking about doesn't work anymore. Continuing. Today, citizens are told that it is the unique responsibility of judges to review laws and that judges have the final word over whether or not the law is constitutional. While the founding fathers agreed that judges did have a right to review laws, they disagreed that it was a unique responsibility of the judiciary. A as Thomas Jefferson affirmed. He wrote, each of the three departments has equal, has equally the right to decide for itself what its duty under the Constitution without any regard to what the or others have decided for themselves under a similar question. Founding fathers, founding father James Madison, James Madison agreed, nothing has yet been offered to invalidate the doctrine that the meaning of the Constitution may as, as well be ascertained by the legislation, legislature or legislative branch as by the judiciary, judicial branch. So, in other words, 
They can determine their role without the other dictating it. Right now, if you notice what's happening, Congress is dictating to them, saying, yeah, you need to affirm this law. That is not their role. But, of course, it helps when everybody on the Supreme Court, or at least so many of them, are blackmailed by some financial scandal or some kid diddling event or whatever. What a mess we're in, I'm telling you. So officials in the, in the legislative and executive branches had taken oaths to uphold the Constitution, not necessarily, to, not necessarily decisions of judges. For as Jefferson explained, judges are definitely fallible. Our judges are as honest as other men and not more and not more so. They have with others the same passions for party, for power, and the privilege for their core. That's correct. They are men of, of sin, like all of us. The founding fathers did permit judicial review, judges reviewing the constitutionality of laws. But, let's see here, hang on a second. When so doing, for example, the judiciary was allowed to judge. Boy, I tell you, I'm just screwed up my audio. Is everybody hearing okay? Make sure we got it. Give me a five-five. Okay, good. Thank you. All right. The founding fathers did permit judicial review, judges reviewing the constitutionality of laws, but they strictly limited the role of the judicial judiciary. When doing so, for example, the judiciary was allowed to judge laws only against narrow, specific, and self-evident wording of the Constitution, nothing more. As affirmed in the Federalist Papers, there is not a syllable in, in the plan, the Constitution, which directly empowers the national courts to construe the laws according to the spirit of the Constitution. Well, there's a big change, isn't there? That's a, that's, a, that's a big change. The founding fathers understood that under the broad range, under a broad rather than a narrow judicial review, the judicial judiciary could become a policy could become policymakers, something they explicitly forbade. As constitutional signer Rufus King affirmed, the judges must interpret the laws. They ought not to be legislatures. Constitutional signer Alexander Hamilton agreed, declaring that the judiciary was forbidden to substitute its own pleasure to the constitutional invent, uh, intentions of the legislature. Today, however, the current judiciary disdains the original plan and regularly exerts both force and will. It will wrongly become dominant policy making branch making a policy making branch in government the founders strenuously objected to the judges having the final word on laws in fact thomas jefferson issued numerous warnings concerning this the opinion which gives to the judges the right to decide which laws are constitutional and which not are not not only for themselves in other in their own sphere of action but the, for the legislature and executive also in their spheres would make the judiciary a despotic branch, which it is, just so we kind of emphasize that point. 
you seem to consider the judges as the ultimate arbiters of all constitutional questions, a very dangerous doctrine indeed, and one which would place us under the despotism of an oligarchy. The Constitution was erected, the Constitution has erected no such single tribunal. The Constitution on this hypothetical is a is more a thing of wax in the hands of judiciary, which they may twist and shape into any form they please. Not that we haven't seen that. It has long been, in my opinion, that the germ of dissolution of our federal government is in the constitution of the federal judiciary, working like gravity by night and by day, gaining little a little today and a little tomorrow and advancing its noise, noiselessness step by a thief step like a thief over the field of of jurisdiction until all shall be warped the constitution does not give judges the final word over laws or of our constitution as james madison affirmed refusing or not refusing to execute a law to stamp it with a final contract makes the judiciary department paramount in fact to the legislature which was never intended and can never be proper. Citizens must take off these four judicial myths. Citizens must must shake off these four judicial myths if they are to regain both the liberties and, and the constitutional republic that God has entrusted in our hands. So what is the remedy? A return to justice and to the kind of righteous judges we had at first. Because Isaiah 126 affirms that judges directly affect the righteousness of a nation, state, or community in choosing a president, senator, governor, representatives, or other official, first and foremost among the considerations is what type of judges that leader will appoint or affirm. Ezra 725 instructs leaders to appoint magistrates and judges who know the laws of our God. And if this practice is not followed, the righteousness of a nation or state will be adversely affected. Remember, any president will be be gone in eight years or less, but his judges may remain on the bench for decades, and their influence can be far greater than his. So too with governors and other officials. God's expressed desire to Isaiah Though our sins be as scarlet, he can make them white as snow if we would consent and obey, choosing leaders who will appoint judges who can perpetuate biblical standards of righteousness, we will eat the best of the land. The other alternative is not something we want to know. A rather profound insight into our Constitution. And that's right in the Founder's Bible in the first section, first chapter, in fact, of Isaiah. So we're going to continue here with a little bit of reading of Isaiah 4. For seven women will take hold of one man in that day, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name. Take away our reproach. In that day, the branch of the Lord 
will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth will be the pride and the adornment of the survivors of Israel. It will come about that he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy, everyone who is recorded in the life of Jerusalem. When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the bloodshed of the Jerusalem from the midst by the spirit of judgment and the spirit of burning, then the Lord will create over the whole area of the Mount Zion and other and over her assemblies, a cloud by day, even smoke and brightness of a flaming fire by night. And over all the glory of a, will be a canopy. There will be a shelter to give shade from heat by day and refuge and protection from the storm and the rain. The idea of judgment is the whole part, the first part of Isaiah up to 39. And if we are very honest about where we sit today in our nation, we are truly dealing with judgment. We have bad judges, obviously, corrupt judges that don't even follow the Constitution, let alone God's principles and biblical law. We have judges that are legislating from the bench. We have judges that are intentionally protecting certain issues because they're politically correct or it's part of their alternate agenda or even worse, their religion and faith that has nothing to do with God, but rather Lucifer and Satan. We have lost our way again through judges, and it is one of the most important parts of our nation that we seldom look at. The judicial branch, the judiciary, should not be more powerful or even of equal power than the legislative. But as was stated in this piece by, in the Founders Bible, it is very clear that what they have done is over time, they have corrupted the judiciary to give the judiciary authority to supersede legislative, to even challenge presidents, and that's the executive, and therefore to be used as a weapon against the people because they're no longer of the people and they're protecting their own jobs by saying things like, we cannot be impeached unless it's an abhorrent type of violation. That was not the original intent. Again, good behavior. Violation of good behavior. So we have a country that was created to be self-sustaining and literally live with God on the throne above us. And over the years, as people have become complacent, they've become more interested in just living and not being participative in government, then we are arrive at a point where government becomes an entity above the people, not by and for the people, but an entity of and to itself. And therefore, the legislative simply enacts laws and turns to the, judici the judiciary to reinforce those laws, and then the agencies of policing then use those decisions to arrest and incarcerate. We're a police state. We're, we are now a tyranny. It is a period of time right now where the only way back for this nation is going to be through a remnant that's well-equipped, well-prepared, and well-read in Scripture and constitutional law. That's an absolute must. Read Isaiah 5 to close out tonight. Let me sing now for my well-beloved a song of my beloved concerning his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it 
all around, removed its stones, and planted it with the choicest vine. And he built a tower in the midst of it, and he also hewed out a wine vat in it. Then he expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced only worthless ones. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why, when I expected it to produce good grapes, did it produce worthless ones? So now let me tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and I will, it will be consumed. I will break down its wall, and it will become trampled to ground. I will lay it waste, and it will be pruned and hoed. My briars and thorns will come up. It will also charge the clouds to rain no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his delightful plant. Thus he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, a cry of distress. Woe to those who add house to house and join field to field unto the, until there is no more room, so that you have to live alone in the midst of the land. In my ears the Lord of hosts has sworn, Surely many houses shall become desolate, even great and fine ones without occupants. For ten acres of vineyard will yield only one bath of wine, and a former and a homer of seeds will yield but an ephaph of grain. Woe to those who rise early in the morning and they may pursue strong drink, who stay up late in the evening that wine may inflame them. Their banquets and accompanied by lyre and harp, by tambourine and flute and by wine. But they do not pay attention to the deeds of the Lord, nor do they consider the work of his hands. Therefore my people go into exile for their lack of knowledge and their honorable men are famished and their multitude is parched with thirst. Therefore Sheol has enlarged its throat and opened its mouth with measure and Jerusalem's splendor, her multitude, her din of revelry and the jubilant within her descend into it. So the common man will be humbled and the man of importance abased. The eyes of the proud also be abased. For, but the Lord of hosts will be exalted in judgment, and the holy God will show himself holy in righteousness. Then the lambs will graze as, the, as their pasture, and the strangers will eat in the waste places with the wealthy. Woe to those who drag in iniquity with the cords of falsehood and sins as if with cart ropes, who say, Let him make speed, let him hasten his work, that we may say it. And let those purpose of Holy One of Israel draw near and come to pass that we may know it. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their sight. Woe to those who are heroes to drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe, and make away rights of the ones who are in the right. 
Therefore, as a tongue of a, of a fire consumes stubble, the dry grass collapses into the flame, and their root will become like rot, and their blossom blow away as a dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts, and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. On this account, the anger of the Lord has burned against his people, and he has stretched out his hand against them and struck them down. And the mountains quaked, and their corpses lay like refuse in the middle of the streets, for all his anger is not spent, but his hand is still stretched out. He will also lift up a standard to the distant nation, and while, and will whistle for it, for it from its ends of earth. And behold, it will come with, speedy, with speed swiftly. No one in it is weary or stumbles, no slumbers or sleeps, nor is the belt at its waist undone, nor its sandal strap broken. Its arrows are sharp and all its bows are bent. The hoofs of the horses seem like flint and the chariot's wheels like whirlwind. Its roaring is like a lioness and it roars like young lions. It growls and it seizes the prey and it carries it off with no one to deliver it. And it will growl over it that day like the roaring of the sea. If one looks to the land, behold, there is darkness and distress. Even the light is darkened by its clouds. Patriots, I would just say this. When I read Isaiah, I see us today. So much is parallel to where we are, and so much has been lost by the sheer will of the people. Walking away from the Lord, thinking that we are somehow living in this time when God is not important, when nothing is important except self. We're destined to fall and fall miserably. And the point that's probably worse about all of this is that those in power that are continuing to offer this pathway, the wide gate, that easy gate and path to destruction, know all this. They know very well what they're doing. They know very well they're working in violation of God but they're offering it all in terms of choice, free will. And as we make those choices as a nation, the nation shall be judged. We sit at a very critical time. We're on a precipice. And the more that we sit silent, the more that we do nothing and let these acts of criminality, these acts, these acts of blasphemy continue in this nation with saying nothing, the more that we too are guilty of the crime. It is when we read Isaiah, we're reminded that God will express judgment on a nation, not to push it away, but to ultimately bring his people back. But it will be difficult and it will be painful. If we think somehow we're going to escape this, I think we're fools. We have a responsibility as a remnant to prepare ourselves, to make the word known, to be speaking loudly and speaking boldly, and letting people hear those words, to hear the words of God, to hear the the messages from Christ, and to speak it passionately from where you are, and to live it as well. And as we do those things, we're at least holding the path that God needs us to hold as the storm rips apart the evil, and the nation goes through a process of repentance, Redemption and reset.
quite a path we're on. Let us pray. Father, we come to you tonight very humbled and thankful for all that's been given. We're grateful for the continued pursuit of truth and the eyes to see and ears to hear. Tonight, Father, we just pray for this nation that it will wake up from its slumber, the foolishness that it continues to walk around with its head in the clouds, thinking that somehow it's immune to your hand or worse, that you don't exist. Father, we pray for our enemies. We pray for those that wander without a connection to you. We pray that they can have an encounter with Jesus. They will shake them and shake their foolish beliefs and return them and restore them to the loving Christ. That through Christ, that knowing that he will change people from within, that many more will have the experience and the outcome of walking with such a brilliant and gloriful path in life. So we do pray for the many that still seem to be wandering, confused of why we are here. We pray as well for mercy on this nation, for the many things that continue to go on unheeded. And we pray for the patriots out here, those of the remnant that will to speak boldly, to speak out, to make a stand, to be heard, to truly wield the power of the Spirit. Such a time as this is disheartening in so many ways, Father, because at the hands of evil wields the sword of destruction to the children, and yet a nation remains silent. Forgive us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Patriots, be loud, be heard, stand up for what's right. Push that message everywhere. People need to start getting it together. The clock is ticking. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. We need to have prayers, heavy prayers, for the mercy of this nation. In the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I hope you have a very blessed evening. Thank you. God bless. Good night. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now.
heart found Reaching through somehow Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud When the seasons change I know the space between us will stay the same Resting on this faith When your soul answers calls far away Thank you. 